The Tom Woods Show, episode 2021. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Hey folks, chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you are surrounded by irrational, panicked people who think you're a terrible person because you don't want to lock everybody in their houses. No amount of reasoning appears to accomplish anything. And not to mention the media has done nothing but stoke fear and fail to provide context. Well, one of the many benefits you get as a supporter of The Tom Woods Show is membership inside The Tom Woods Show Elite. Recently migrated off Facebook, so if that was holding you back, no longer. This group will keep you sane and informed, and as an added bonus, it won't accuse you of wanting to kill your grandmother. Join me in there at supportinglisteners.com. Hey everybody, Tom Woods here. I am joined today by Ali Rock, who is one of these unsung heroes of whom we have a great many around the country, most of whom are unknown to the vast bulk of us, but who are doing important work in their communities. I've talked to a bunch of them on the show. And in fact, I'm sure in my audience, a lot of you fit this description. But there's something in particular, there's a particular reason that I want to talk to this person. It's a time-sensitive topic. And so, look, I had to do five episodes a week. I can... I can handle time sensitive. If I did two a month, it would be trickier, but I can get you on one day and the episode's on the next. So, Allie, why don't we start by having you uh, introduce yourself to the folks, where you're located, anything about you that uh, you'd like people to know, and then we'll jump into the juicy topic. Okay. Thank you so much, Tom, for having me on. My name is Allie Rock, and I hail from Charles County, Maryland. I am a homeschooling mother of four. And uh, I usually tell people that I work full-time, I homeschool full-time, and I am an activist full-time because I do a lot of grassroots activism in the state of Maryland and my community. I uh, started out in the pro-life movement in 2016. I am a uh, pro-life convert and have done a lot of citizen lobbying, citizen activism at the state level, leading my community, my county. And I jumped in where there was a need in my county in May of 2020 and began Reopen Charles County, which was, you know, very loosely, I guess, uh, affiliated or inspired by, I should say, Reopen Maryland when our governor, Larry Hogan, reopened the state to phase one after all of our stay-at-home orders and lockdowns. And my county voted, my county commissioners voted to keep us in a stay-at-home order for two additional weeks. And so that is how Reopen Charles County was created, how we were born. And uh, we are a 1,500-person Facebook group and recently organized into an LLC to continue the fight. And uh, we've been fighting for the last uh, year and a half to crawl back to normalcy come hell or high water. Just to situate you geographically, Are there any places in Charles County that we might have heard of or is it close to anything? Yes, we are actually very much considered in the D.C. metro area. So we are Southern Maryland, just south of Prince George's County. I mean, I can get to D.C. in about 35, 40 minutes. But as far as would anybody recognize anything in Charles County? Probably if you're not from Maryland, no. (laughs) Okay, well, fair enough. All right, I guess I want to know first, at what point after all this craziness began in March of 2020, did you say something's fishy here and something doesn't add up? Well, probably within 48 hours <laughs> of all the lockdowns. Oh. 
So um, my husband and I have always, I mean, since we've been married, very libertarian leaning, very pro-freedom. My husband uh, was one of the first Ron Paul revolutionaries in 2008. And so we just are very freedom loving. And we definitely were watching the news reports come in. And when Governor DeWine in Ohio, you know, I was, I'm a homeschooling mom. So I was like watching this kind of go down. When Governor DeWine closed and had that like flatten the curve graphic in the background, and then Governor Hogan called his press conference with the flatten the curve, I kind of knew something coordinated was going on. But let's see. So ours was announced on like a Thursday. They told the school children, you know, you're going to, this is your last day of school for two weeks on Friday. And it was my, two of my children's birthdays that weekend. They're two years apart, one day apart in their birthdays. So we went out to restaurants to take them out for their birthdays, but their big soccer practice got canceled. We're a Catholic family. All the public masses got canceled. I actually work for a parish. So that was a huge deal. And, um, you know, I would say about two days of, okay, maybe this is the right thing. Kind of like de-densify everything. But then it was Monday or Tuesday. So literally just a weekend or maybe four days after Larry Hogan announced that we were going to limit things to 250 people and ask schools to close and all that. He came on his press conference. I want to say it was like the 15th or 16th of March and had this tone of you didn't listen. So now I have to go stricter kind of thing. And bars were crowded this weekend for St. Patrick's Day. So now, and that was when a ton of things got canceled. And it was like every two days we were, we were going stricter. And um, I remember actually like calling my brother, he's a doctor in Colorado. And like, is this for real? Is this like really as necessary as like, you know, is all this honestly necessary? And uh, he was kind of like, well, we should really take a look at this for the next two weeks. You know, if ICUs don't get over full, then, you know, everything should go back to normal. He's like, we don't really know. There's just like a lot we don't know. So I would say we were cautious for maybe the weekend, but I knew once it was, you didn't listen. So now we have to go harder. And I knew that was a lie because I just, everyone in my community really did take all the warnings seriously. I just, I kind of knew it was ridiculous after that point. Where did you get your information as time went on? Um, oh, interesting. You know, we used to watch the local news station. We have a pretty good like Fox affiliate here, not Fox News, but the local, yeah. you know, Fox channel. And that used to be my go-to in the mornings. And I just I kind of saw the hysteria coming and I have not really watched mainstream media of any sort <laughs> since then. So, I would say Primarily now, there are people I follow on Twitter, Facebook. I'm a big Alex Berenson fan, so I subscribe to a bunch of Substacks. That's where I got my news now. But at the time, I would say pretty much mainstream media back in March 2020. But what sustained you as the months went on? I mean, so, okay, so Berenson's a good one. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious to know how... Because, of course, we had to abandon any mainstream sources. Yes. That was just a, I had to abandon the Drudge Report, too. Yes. The Drudge Report was terrible on this. Yes. And I think it's because Drudge himself doesn't run it anymore. But I don't know. We've yeah. sold it to some lunatic. But it was every possible panicked article in the world. Yes. So I, I just I asked you that just because I have wondered about all these people, who millions and millions and millions of them, who somehow managed to figure all this out despite 
everyone, every establishment person screaming the opposite of the truth in their faces 24 hours a day. It amazes me we have as many people who see through it as we have. I mean, I know sometimes we get impatient. We think, why aren't there more? But I'm actually inclined to think, I'm surprised there are so many. Yeah, so that's a very interesting point. And um, I am, you know, I would say I got on Twitter because of coronavirus. And that's where I could find, you know, a great many personalities who were screaming very loudly. But my main social media platform, I'm a millennial. Facebook was invented my freshman year of college. So I was all over Facebook. And so I think it was like through people sharing links and articles and blog posts and things during that early time, you know, when you'd see the most ridiculous graphics and like, you should, you know, men with beards need to shave because they could get coronavirus and coronavirus can come in on your shoes. So you need to bleach everything like that. You know, I just, I couldn't believe that that was reality, but I would say the reason that I went and sought out different sources was because, and I've really reflected on this a lot over the last two years is I really try to live my life with a certain set of principles. And I don't think that those principles are should be violated. And, you know, I've just come to be unabashedly human freedom first in this whole thing. And so to me, it was everything, every action we were taking as a society in March, April, and May 2020, I just thought of the human cost. You know, my heart has always been with you know, kind of the poor and marginalized. I was a Teach for America teacher when I graduated college. So all I could think about was all these children that already have, you know, they're disadvantaged in the public school system and how they're being sent home, you know, or, you know, all these people who are hourly wage earners and they're being told they're not essential, that just I could see, you know, what was coming. And in fact, there's a post on my Facebook I could share from time to time from March 16th, 2020. And I said, dang, I mean, I'll share it. And I say, dang, everything I predicted came true. And it was, you know, mental health issues, children not being in school, and uh, just the division, just the economic despair, I everything I saw coming March 2020. Well, as you say, Charles County is a blue county. Very much. So I'm curious because I live in a red state. I live in Florida. Mm-hmm. I don't know really enough about where my county comes down politically, but there are more masks than there should be. But I don't know what it's like to live in a blue area through this. And I'm curious about that and, and whether you talk to anybody who, you know, even who after a while started to say, well, this is starting to be a little bit too much. I mean, I have seen some people say that, look, I supported this, I supported this, I supported Mm -hmm. this. But this panic about the new variant is just too much for me to take. I mean, we have the therapeutics, we have the vaccines. I mean, enough is enough. Basically, what were your experiences? Oh, they're definitely wide. I was definitely ostracized by friends for speaking my mind early on in the shutdowns. But it became very much, you know, kind of an obsession of mine and my husband. My husband is a public school teacher. So he was, I mean, working from home for the first time in his career. And uh, of course, we were ordered to stay home towards the end of March. And that became really excruciating. So it was like kind of our obsession every day to look for an out. Like what what could we go show, you know, Larry Hogan? What what could we do to show our local leaders like that this this is 
totally over the top. So we became ridiculously educated about the coronavirus. I remember visiting family in July of 2020 and being able to explain the mechanism by which people actually catch it. <laughs> it was just, I just became just ridiculously obsessed with figuring out how are we going to get out of this, trying to predict the future. But um, I actually, because I am in the pro-life movement in Maryland and had already really navigated the legislative process in my state, leading other citizens in that, I really kind of knew the tips and tricks of the trade for how you influence an elected official. And so um, I have friends that work in Annapolis and, you know, they're lobbyists or they are elected officials. I actually have a few state delegates that I am friends with. So a friend of mine, a lobbyist friend of mine and I, who were both kind of incensed through this whole thing, it was actually as we saw other states gearing up to reopen that we kind of jumped onto the reopen tagline, you know. And so Reopen Maryland was actually started by a group of patriots, I'll call them, and uh, a man named Tim Walters, who is incredible. And um, he did kind of the same thing. He started a Facebook group. It grew to like 30,000. And so they actually held a couple of protests a few weeks before our phase one began. And so it was very centralized. It was very Annapolis focused. And that started maybe like middle of April and kind of they had like three organized protests before Larry Hogan announced phase one. And so what happened though, this is what we call the Pontius Pilate moment. He declared that we could begin phase one. However, local jurisdictions could go more restrictive than he himself was allowing. So phase one of May 2020 was something like churches could resume in-person services at 50%. Retail could begin opening the doors to 50%. And um, food service, I think, could... No, they, they were always doing curbside. Something... I mean, it wasn't much. It really wasn't much. And then, of course, masks were implemented middle of April for grocery stores, pharmacies, and public transportation. So that's kind of his moment where he could say, like, he reopened the state. But then really the deepest blue areas all voted, you know, or decided to remain stricter than him. And so while Charles County is a blue area, you know, it's kind of a small town. So I think everybody expected we would just go with the governor. It would just be a formality that they met. So everybody's watching the virtual session and the hospital tells them we're ready. The EMS services tell them, yep, we're prepared. We're ready in case there's a surge. The health department, Maryland Department of Health at the time had sent someone to be our interim health director. So we're talking about someone really high up in the Maryland Department of Health was like, yes, you have to let them out. The virus is going to be here a long time. You know, you can't keep them in their homes forever. And it was so crazy. The Chamber of Commerce said, yep, our businesses are ready. They're ready to reopen. So it was like two hours of expert testimony. And then our commissioner board is five people. And all of a sudden the commissioner president is like, I just think there's a lot of fear in the community and they would feel better if we had maybe just two more weeks to educate our businesses before we reopen, which was like incensing because if you're smart enough, you know, wise enough, 
courageous enough to start a small business, but you haven't been thinking about how you're going to safely reopen for the last 60 days, we've been in a stay-at-home order. You know, you don't really have any business being in business. And so there was a huge outrage. But me, I have like activism in my blood. I was sitting in my office with my my husband, you know, watching this. And I'm like, I have to lead this because I just don't think anybody else knows how. <laughs> and so that's how Reopen Charles got started. I actually started the Facebook group on my phone on our 10-minute drive home from my office to our house. And overnight, it grew to a 1,000 people. So I bought the domain name, reopencharlescounty.com and had a one-page website up by midnight. And the goal was just to get them to reverse their decision you know, before the two weeks were up. So that's how we got started. That's how I jumped in, you know, really saw a need in my community and just went for it. Hey, everybody. Let's thank our sponsor, BetterHelp. Let's face it. A lot of us had a really, really difficult 2020. And I think a lot of people looked forward to 2021 as a year when things would get a lot better for them. And frankly, that didn't work out for a lot of people. And a lot of people are still struggling with issues like depression and anxiety, which if not brought on by 2020, were very likely exacerbated by it. And of course, there are still other issues that stand between you and happiness. Maybe you're struggling in your relationships or you're having sleep problems or trying to overcome trauma or grief. You've got problems within your family. All these kinds of things can be helped. And that's why BetterHelp exists. They'll match you up with your own licensed professional therapist. You can communicate with that person anytime you want through messages and, of course, through video or phone sessions. And just in case that counselor turns out not to be a perfect fit for you, you can get another one easily. It's convenient and affordable. You should check out the testimonials they post every day on their website. And in fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com woods. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot woods. All right, now let's bring it up to the present because I want to talk about the reason that I'm talking to you right now as opposed to two months from now. Right. Talk about what's going on there at this moment. By the way, what's the actual name of the Facebook group? Is it just Reopen? Um, what is it? If you look for my public-facing page, it's just Reopen Charles County. But we have a group that's attached, and it's by the same name, Reopen Charles County, but it actually says hyphen new action alerts pinned so that people could tell the difference between the group. So my group is a closed group. That's where we, that's where I put my action alerts. That's where people post this business is, you know, anti-mask friendly. This business is not, or this is what I heard from the commissioners, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of where our, our activity goes on. Okay. But you're open to new members, of course. I am. But if anybody joins, I, I am super strict. I run it. I run a really tight ship. So you have to answer all three questions <laughs> to get into the group. Okay. <laughs> I'll put a link to the group okay. on the show notes page, tomwoods.com slash 2021. All right. So what's going on? There's a, there's a mask mandate being yes. debated? Yeah. So from that first two-week pause for the rest of really the state of emergency in Maryland, Reopen Charles County worked in concert to pressure our commissioner board. Every time there was a new phase that the governor ordered, we went into action. We sent directed emails. I used actual lobbying tools of the trade 
I wrote petitions, we did direct email campaigns, phone campaigns, et cetera, so that every time there was a new phase announced, we had two, three, 400 emails in 24 hours going to our commissioner board. So we were like batting a thousand going into the end of the state of emergency. It was like, there was no question the commissioners were going to go with the governor each time after that initial one. So May 2020, Larry Hogan drops the mask mandate. Charles County doesn't even meet. <laughs> you know, they just, yep, we're going with the governor this time. No, no meeting necessary, no debate. So we just, we thought the end was in sight. This was awesome. I was going to rebrand the group to be more like we were going to continue on just kind of as citizen advocacy and just kind of, hey, we've figured out how to organize so we can influence the commissioner board for other things, you know, maybe more affordable housing and uh, let's get a property tax cut every once in a while. But it was at the end of July when the Delta panic began. First, our schools announced they were going to return to masks. And then two weeks later, our commissioners met, had an emergency meeting to declare their own state of emergency only for the purposes of reinstituting a mask mandate. So no surge capacity at the hospital, no making access to early treatment, masks alone. And so it was so enraging because we went into action like we always do. They got 300 emails from us in like 24 hours and they still voted five to nothing to put us into a state of emergency. So what was so frustrating after... 18 months of winning, you know, against all odds was, you know, this kind of like, we didn't even make a, we didn't even get a three to two split. Like, you know, it was crazy. So when we asked, you know, put in requests to the citizen response office, well, by what authority can they declare their own state of emergency and implement a mask mandate? We really got the runaround. And even when they passed that, they didn't even quite cite by what authority they had. And then we were like, well, what are going to be the penalties if you don't you know, comply? Because with the governor's mask mandate, it was a $5,000 fine and a year in jail. So it couldn't have been that high for a county, right? Like what is going on? So a couple of small businesses, restaurant owners said, we will not be asking you to put on a mask. It's your choice. Our uh, employees will wear theirs, but we are not asking you to wear yours, et cetera, et cetera. And it wasn't until a week later, after so many people calling, emailing, and we were being directed to the health department, directed to the sheriff's office to ask, what would the penalties be? How are they enforcing this? It wasn't until a week later that we found out that the fines were going to be $5,000 and up to a year in jail for not wearing a mask in August of 2021, when we had like 70% adult vaccination status at that point, by the way. so. I actually reached out to the man who became our attorney. I do try to keep his name on the download because he's actually a pretty high profile person in the state. And I, I called him and I said, you know, this is absurd. How can they, how can they do this? Do we have a lawsuit on our hands? Like, do we have grounds? And he, you know, he, I texted him. He called me right away. He's like, I would be honored <laughs> to represent reopen Charles County in a lawsuit against uh, your commissioner. So. But of course, you know, I had no money. So we actually crowdfunded the retainer, the initial retainer, and uh, he went to work. And before they renewed it a first time, we filed a suit. We filed for a temporary restraining order and injunctive relief. So 
There's a lot that went on in the interim, but basically they renewed it another two times. They renewed it September, October, and the beginning of November. Each time (laughs) editing it just a little in response to our legal arguments, our legal complaint, but they really kind of, they ignored the temporary restraining order. There was back and forth between, you know, the county attorney, our attorney. And uh, we finally saw inside courtroom in November to actually begin to make our case in court against the mask mandate. So that's how that got started. We have sustained the lawsuit completely through crowdfunding our group. We have about 200 donors who have continued to just continue to donate and Uh, replenish the retainers. We have a second attorney now working on it. And so in the beginning of November, when we had our finally had our first court appearance, we actually got rescheduled. The judge recused himself. He cited a a mild, not really a conflict of interest, just a connection to the commissioner board. He didn't want to have any sort of like dark cloud, ethical cloud over it. So we got delayed two weeks. And that's when the lawyers kind of did this, you know, sort of gentlemanly back and forth. Well, you know, maybe maybe if you give us another week, the numbers will come down, then the commissioners can just withdraw it and then every, this will all go away, et cetera, et cetera. So <laughs> it was November 16th, they met and they ended the state of emergency, but then voted to re-implement the mask mandate sitting as the Board of Health because the Maryland Code allows for code counties like Charles County when they don't have an independent Board of Health, the commissioner set as the Board of Health. So they said, well, it's no longer an emergency situation. So we will just continue the mask mandate just in case because the CDC says we're still in substantial transmission, but we don't need the state of emergency anymore. So on November 16th, they did this board of health mandate. Then when we were in the courtroom two days later for our evidentiary hearing, they argued that our case was moot because we sued them based on the state of emergency and that is now over. <laughs> so um, a lot of, you know, legal jujitsu and that sort of thing. But anyway, long story short, our lawyers are awesome. And they argued, well, if this is a health resolution, you know, a health ordinance, then you have to go through the proper procedure. And you have to, you know, post it, have a public comment period, have a public hearing. And so on November 30th, you know, two weeks later, when arguments were due back and forth, you know, the judge let us amend our complaint. And then the county attorney was supposed to answer us. And he let us know the day before the meeting, they'd be withdrawing it. So on November 30th, they ended the mask mandate, citing that cases had come down enough. And we didn't need masks anymore. But at the same time, motion for a public hearing on December 15th to look at this issue again. And so we are taking a victory lap that we won because they had to basically explain to the public without explaining to the public that they got sued. It's our members that tell everybody that that's what happened, that this is the proper legal course of things. So what they're doing is they're saying, well, we're just putting a public hearing on the books in case the numbers mean we're going to need a new mask mandate. And we just want to be ahead of the ball, you know, ahead of the game. So, but we are getting basically all signals from them that they absolutely intend to put this mask mandate back in place on December 15th, having gone through all the motions that we raised in court that they need to do. So 
that's where we're at right now. Well, when I was going to bring you on the show, you were speaking about the particular urgency of this. Yes. Because December 15th is coming up very soon. And I just noticed on your Twitter feed, I'm going to start following you on Twitter. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that you're making a general appeal to people. I am, that, yeah. I try to tag all of Team Reality. Well, as many as I could get. Okay. And so I'm going to, I'm about to retweet that for you and get that out to a bunch more people. Just to get as many resources as you can. I mean, I... And you're telling people, look, I already, I know about masks. I have a lot of stuff, but whatever's worked for you, yes, we'd like to have. Mm -hmm. And so now if people in my listening audience have material for you, you could get absolutely bombarded with it. I mean, how do you want them to send it to you? Um, They could send it to reopencharlescounty at gmail.com. They could tweet at me on Twitter. I'm, oh gosh, what is my Twitter handle? At Allie Rock, A-L-I-R-A-K, 8710. Um, now, what? why the 8710? That's my anniversary. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, there's no way you get you don't get your handle. Now I've learned my lesson and I now go on every new social media and I grab my handle, whether I'm going to use it or not. <laughs> I have learned okay, my lesson. Okay, okay. All right, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. All right, so now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retweet that. Okay. And we'll see what happens. So, so okay. And I'll put this information also. I'll put your Twitter yeah. and I'll put that uh, email address up at tomwoods.com slash 2021 because we want you to be victorious. And we would yes. love to hear of an, un, you know, uh, I mean, let's face it, what most people would consider to be an unlikely victory yes. in a county like yours. And also, I mean... What we also need is really just visibility. So if you find my public facing page, which I believe is at Reopen Charles County, if you just go and like my page, share our posts, really what we need is some heat on the commissioners. So we don't want people just trolling. You know, we really do want to keep quite a bit of an air of, you know, really professionalism. But what we need is for them to see that there's more people who oppose a mask mandate than they they really think. And, um, you know, I went into lobbying mode on November 30th. And, you know, we've set up meetings with the commissioners. You know, anybody who's got the phone number of a commissioner or a connection, you know, we're having them, you know, call, see kind of where they stand. And I was just speaking with one of my members tonight. I said, what's your sense? Um, you know, because he's friends with a few commissioners. And I said, do they not know really how big we are? Because I know we get branded really as a, you know, a right-wing group or a Republican group, but I'm actually scrupulously nonpartisan in my group and on my page because early on, we actually had a lot of Democrats who opposed small businesses being shut down. And our county is like, it's like three to one Democrat to Republican. But we also, it's like three to one unaffiliated too. We have a huge, huge swath of the population that considers themselves to be unaffiliated from any party. So I really think they think that they will have no election consequences if they take this route. So really any amplification of our story is going to help us because they'll see that this isn't, we're not just fighting for Charles County, we're fighting for precedent everywhere, you know? It came out in our lawsuit that county governments probably can't declare their own states of emergency because of the Maryland Public Health Emergency Management Act really bestows 
all that ridiculous tyrannical power on the governor alone. And the governor has already ended our state of emergency. That was important information. There's another county in our state that currently has a state of emergency declared by their county executive. So, you know, we really want to help other groups to figure out, okay, well, what were your legal arguments? Can we take our county government to court? Can we take, you know, the Maryland State Board of Education They actually usurped the authority of all local school boards back in September and implemented a universal mask mandate in all jurisdictions of Maryland. They granted themselves the authority (laughs) and then um, declared it, and it was codified by the Maryland State Senate. So now now that we had this win, and really it was just a, a win. It wasn't a win in court, but it was a win of the lawsuit because we pressured them. Now people are like, okay, Can we find a lawyer to sue the State Board of Education? We've got to start taking back our power. Look, they had a win. So that's kind of what we're asking for is really a lot more amplification of our story and a lot just keeping the pressure on our commissioners to know that people are watching and and also that people support us. So what action item then do you recommend or is there a, do you have a link people can look at that summarizes the situation or what would you like them to do? Yeah, they can check us out at reopencharlescounty.com and go to my press releases, join our email list. I, I actually, I don't abuse the email list. I send out action alerts, but definitely like sharing our social media posts. I try to have mostly original content up there and that just helps the Facebook algorithm to get our information out. But even also just to kind of pay attention to, um, you know, some of the postings, even of the Charles County government, any of those things, if people want to join our group to kind of see how we've done it, they can find our group is attached to the public facing page. Just really any amplification of our voice at this point really helps. So sharing our posts or, you know, connecting with people. Also, our hearing is going to be a virtual hearing. So if anybody is an expert, you know, and can be like an expert witness, they can connect with me by email and maybe we could coordinate testimony. We do have two industrial hygienists, two mask experts locally who are going to be helping us. Dr. Bhattacharya was going to be our court expert witness, thanks to our lawyer. So we are working on hopefully having him call in. But anything that really, you know, if people feel like, yes, I have an expertise here, you know, especially about masks or about law, you know, and would would be able to testify on December 15th, we would accept that help any way possible. Okay. Well, I will put all this stuff, particularly ways to contact you on the show notes page. Once again, tomwoods.com slash 2021 so that anybody listening would be able to get in touch and give you information or offer to volunteer in these various capacities. So I'll have all this stuff, everything you've heard, all the links, the group, everything up at tomwoods.com slash 2021. Well, Allie, thank you for doing what you're doing. Even though I don't live in Charles County, I want to see as much freedom as possible in as many places as possible. And it it warms my heart that somehow somebody as busy as you are has managed to make a real go with this and, and had some success with it. And I, and I hope December 15th turns out the way you want. Thank you, Tom. Thank you so much for having me and letting me tell our story. All right, everybody. Tomorrow, I've got a happy episode. It's not all doom and gloom in the world. There's still some happiness, some things to be encouraged about. So I'll just say tomorrow is going to be a happy episode. So prove all those people wrong who say good news doesn't sell. People aren't interested in good news. They want only bad news. 
We're going to disprove that tomorrow when we're going to set a record for listenership for the Tom Woods Show, right? We're all going to listen to episode 2022. The other thing is, remember, as a member of the Tom Woods Show elite, you have, in addition to all the goodies you get as a supporting listener of the show, but you have access to thousands of people, a censorship-free group that will help keep you sane during these crazy times, will help you if maybe you come across some article and you say, how would you respond to this? And instantly you get a lot of really, really sharp, educated responses. Or, oh, my Aunt Zelda won't let us come over for Christmas because we're not vaccinated or something like that. How do I handle that? Whatever. That's exactly what the group is there for. So suddenly you have a whole bunch of sympathetic friends you haven't met yet who are delighted to help you with whatever it is that's troubling you, whether it's intellectual or with your family or whatever. It's just a wonderful mutual help kind of group where we learn from each other, we interact and joke, and I invite people from this group over to my house from time to time. It's a great thing to be a part of, and you can join it over at supportinglisteners.com. So if you like and appreciate The Tom Woods Show, this is where you need to be. Check it out at supportinglisteners.com, and I'll see you tomorrow. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit TomWoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time. Like the sound of The Tom Woods Show? My audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at Podsworth.com.